0: And people who are categorized as subprime are historically people who have had the opportunity for credit, but, you know, they had a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of late payments, and they simply blew their opportunity, right? Unfortunately, there's a very large population, like my parents, in a lot of the Latinx community. Uh, Roughly 50% of the Latinos have little or no credit history. So as a result of that, they're, you know, misclassified as subprime or bad credit. Uh, That's synonymous to sort of giving somebody an F on a test without giving them the opportunity to take it. There really is no difference, right? And as you can, I agree, it's, it's not fair. It's not the best way to do it.
1: You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leonel Faro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here we'll increase transparency around the neto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me biweekly weekly as we cover stories with our communities front and center, alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. ¿No te lo quieres perder? Getting access to responsible financial services has been a long journey for our Latinx communities in the United States. However, it is these very tools like access to credit building that are key to creating generational wealth. Ask Mexican immigrant Samuel Yoa who witnessed this firsthand. Today, finding solutions for underserved communities is a personal mission of his. As CEO and co-founder of Listo, Ulloa runs a fintech platform that is democratizing access to fairly priced, life-changing financial services for millions of hardworking and often credited invisible families in the US. He's a two-time founder in the fintech space, Stanford School of Business graduate, and started his journey in the US working with his parents in agriculture, observing the gaps in the tools first-generation and immigrant Latinos needed to build a financial record. Listo has already helped thousands of hard-working families save more than $190 million in loan interest fees and over $6 million in auto insurance-related fees. Today, we speak with Sam more about his journey and mission to provide access to credit, among other financial services, with Listo. Joining us today is Samuel Ulloa. He is CEO and founder of Listo. Listo is a marketplace that connects consumers, Latinx consumers specifically, with mainstream providers that help provide financial products in a trustworthy platform, not just digitally, but also through brick and mortar. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Leon. thank you for having me here on on your program. Uh, Really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sam, I I have to say, you have such an inspiring journey um, that, as I told you just before, when I was doing research on you, I had to do a double take and say, is this the same, Samuel? Because at this point, you've, you've done a lot in your life. You helped take a company public in a leadership role that's NASDAQ listed. You founded Listo. Uh, you've gone to Stanford, and and you started as an immigrant yourself. So can you walk us back? We're going to start with the inception of Listo here, because I definitely want to focus on how you serve and your company serves the Latinx community. But can you walk us through a little bit of your background? And what got you to building Listo, this platform that works very tightly with the Latinx population in our country and also helping them on their financial journey?
0: Yeah, Leanne, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, so uh, as you said, I'm a first-generation immigrant from Jalisco, Mexico. Um, you know, uh, we grew up in a low-to-modern income uh, family, and uh, it was very difficult to make ends meet. As I reflected back on that journey, I realized that a lot of that stemmed from the fact that my parents were systemically excluded from mainstream financial services. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that neither my, of my parents had a credit score, right? So. In a credit-driven economy, you needed a credit score to get access to affordable products uh, that are uh, life—you know—fundamental building blocks to financial prosperity. As an example, that you know, my parents struggled to get an affordable auto loan to get into a, a, a decent vehicle to get to work, uh, and then in addition to that, made it difficult to also get a, a uh, fairly priced auto insurance policy to insure that vehicle. Not to mention, you know, having to pay more just to rent an apartment because they lacked access to credit. It was as if uh, a tax was imposed upon, you know, the immigrant population or the Latino community in general. Uh, This is why I decided to start Listo, to help millions of hardworking families like my parents uh, and our families um, and marginalized communities in general get a fair handshake or a fair shot at achieving the American dream, which is why a lot of immigrants come to this great country to begin with.
1: I think it's, it's important to be uh, perhaps a little bit more specific about your background and your origin, because not only did you come here as an immigrant, your parents worked in agriculture and, and and so did you, when you were very young, you still were able to, to manifest this future for yourself where you're now an entrepreneur, but you also went to Stanford. You went to a a high quality education uh, place. And so a financial journey is certainly a big part of that, right?
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, you, you know, growing up, I think uh, we learned uh, the, the value of hard work by working in the fields. Uh, you know, as a, from a very young age, I worked in the uh, agriculture fields of Northern California, literally alongside my parents. You know, everything from harvesting almonds to picking uh, harvesting tomatoes, watermelons, you name it. Um, and uh, really very quickly learned the, the, the benefit and the power of a, of a good education. Right. so. Uh, my dad always reminded us that if he wanted a better, <clears throat> better lifestyle, that we had to, you know, to put a lot of ganas into uh, getting a good education. So I put that to work. I was fortunate enough to graduate valedictorian from my high school, uh, and then obtained uh, a bachelor science degree from Capoliz San Luis Obispo. I was fortunate to graduate with honors there, and then uh, ultimately uh, decided to get my master's uh, from Stanford Business School to really to 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 learn how to start uh, successful companies that in a way would help me uh, scale the impact uh, for our community. Uh, And again, the reason I I helped build the first company that went public and uh, now, and more recently, Visto.
1: Con ganas, con un poco de ganas, todo se puede. Love when I hear that in our community too. It just represents so much hope um, paired with the right tools, right? So these are some of the tools that you seek to offer through Listo. Um, And insurance and loans are, alongside credit building, are three of the most important issues for the especially lower income class Latinx populations where they they need a little bit more training and financial um, education and financial accessibility. So how does Listo specifically seek to address Address these these big thematics in our in our communities?
0: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and one that tends to be a little convoluted and complex, but yet it seems so simple to solve right at the surface. Um, and, you know, the, the, the issue really stems from getting fair access to responsible mainstream financial services, as, as the examples I gave you growing up that my parents didn't have access to. You see, in, in the in the world of credit, you have people, you have sort of the prime and the subprime, Right. People who are considered to be prime or good credit are people who have thick, you know, FICO scores above you know, the high 600s to the beyond that. Right. And then people who are categorized as subprime are historically people who have had the opportunity for credit. But, you know, they had a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of late payments, and they simply blew their opportunity. Right. Unfortunately, there's a very large population like my parents and a lot of the Latinx community, uh, roughly 50 percent of the Latinos have little or no credit history. So as a result of that, they're, you know, misclassified as subprime or bad credit. Uh, That's synonymous to sort of giving somebody an F on a test without giving them the opportunity to take it. There really is no difference, right? And as you can, I agree, it's it's not fair. It's not the best way to do it. Now uh, with insurance, uh, specifically auto insurance, we realize that the same disparities exist. You know, you sort of have the preferred standard drivers who get, you know, really low rates uh, um, for comparable coverage, right? And then you have the what's called the non-standard for people who have had DUIs, a lot of traffic citations, uh, who end up having to pay more because they're higher risk. And again, our population um, it gets miscategorized as uh, non-standard and they're having to pay a premium for their auto insurance uh, policies, right? And again, th- these two issues, which are overarching and somewhat debilitating, it's sort of that that invisible tax that's bestowed upon our community really stems from the fact that, you know, mainstream financial source providers are not bad actors. It's just difficult to get access to data that would help underwrite and score this population in a way that is a good measurement of their true risk profile, right? Uh, A lot of that has to do with the fact that much of the data or even the daily practices were, you know, in their home country when they're Recently arriving to this country, there's there's not a, any any data to help predict their creditworthiness, or a driving history to help assess you know whether or not they've been good you know good drivers in the past. And there and as a result of that, they're having to pay a premium, which makes it very difficult for them to, to get started. At least though, what we're doing is we've been harnessing a lot of this data right uh, on these consumer base, so that we we can actually predict the true risk. Profile of each of these consumers for each of these types of products, right? Which is which is a game changer. It really gives these consumers a fair shot at giving, getting a product that they truly deserve, right? And at the same time, you get, uh, you know, financial institutions, banks, and insurance carriers an opportunity to provide these products to this large and fast-growing market at responsible rates. So it's you sort of build a, a win-win uh, on both ends of that. On
1: both sides, that's what—that's exactly what I'm hearing. So not only are you the marketplace and the provider of the consumers to these um, more so uh, mainstream providers and products, you are actually kind of a matchmaker, right? Saying, saying, here's the here's the data, so you know exactly who it is that you're catering and who it is that you're serving, and perhaps uh, who who the right audience Correct. is. Correct.
0: Uh, You know, another example of even these two products, uh, in most states in the United States, uh, credit is an underwriting factor for your uh, driving behavior, right? So uh, if you don't have credit, you, uh, you know, you automatically are charged a higher premium on your auto insurance policy. So by the sheer nature of helping you build credit, we help you also save on your auto insurance policy, right, Uh, over time. So uh, again, it just helps the consumers and the 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 partners uh, sort of create that perfect match uh, that you know should should last a lifetime for, for both.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that trust is such a it's it's one of the biggest commodities that you could ask for in this field that you're you're working in and that you're building a company. When a cost, potential customer or consumer arrives at Listo as a potential solution how do they arrive what are they what are they looking to solve like do do they know like oh i want to get um a a better rate on my auto insurance or are they at just at the point where they say you know i don't i don't know how to build good credit because i don't have a history so how do i get it if i can't if i need good credit to be get good credit like where are these consumers when they come to listo and how do you build that trust
0: and it's a good question you know so uh, probably the best way to, to answer that is in sharing an example of a typical customer for Listo, right? So, uh, you know, Margarita uh, is a first-generation uh, immigrant from Mexico, married to children, uh, speaks predominantly Spanish and uh, has little or no credit history and, and, and tends what? to drive an older vehicle, right? That breaks down frequently. Uh, luckily for Maria or Margarita, when her vehicle breaks down again, uh, she learns about Listo through her friends and family and friends. She applies for the loan from the convenience of her mobile device. When she gets approved, right? To get the money she needs to repair a vehicle and get to work, right? uh, On our platform, she realizes that our algorithms are providing uh, better options for her auto insurance that save her an average of $50 a month. So then Margarita starts a relationship with Listo as she's engaging with our platform over time and she's repaying on those loans. She can go from not having a FICO score to having a FICO score in the high 600s, right? Um, in addition to that, she's building her credit profile to the point where eventually she'll qualify for a responsible auto loan and she'll be able to upgrade her vehicle, right? And at the same time, she will also upgrade her auto insurance policy, right? From a liability only to a full coverage. Over time, and we've seen this with, with many customers, you know. She continues to build a thicker risk profile to the point where eventually she would be considered for a first time home loan and hence give her the opportunity to achieve the American dream. Right. That's what's so powerful about having, you know, a platform or a marketplace that really provides that that guidance to make smart financial decisions um, in a way that helps them achieve financial prosperity.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely amazing to see that to track the progress and be able to follow them, not just on necessarily just one finite goal, but the, but the journey, right. The, the ongoing, uh, where you get to step one and you say, okay, I've, I've acquired this, this, this goal, and now I can get to the next because I have this solid foundation. Now I, I want to talk to you about the interesting decision some of that you made to move to into brick and mortar. And especially in the time frame that we're talking about, which is the last year and a half, last two years, where you've leaned even more so, like when I met you, you, you talked about how critical brick and mortar was for you. And in the last year, if anything, we saw an explosion in e-commerce. Why is it so important to be in these communities as a brick and mortar business?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. So having come from the community, myself, Leanne, and, and to your point, not, not, not a decision that was trivial, right? Especially... Uh, being in Silicon Valley and so forth, um, but um, we knew that in order for us to build trust among our community, we had to have a physical presence, right, um, and uh, that was really important for us to build a trusting brand. Uh, the idea has always been to, you know, when we went to into market, we specifically open locations in areas with high concentrations of our target market, right, and Uh, we built around that from day one a a sort of a digital uh, augmentation experience, right? What we saw during the pandemic is that that sort of helped escalate that journey even faster, but we had already been in their community. And as a result of that, um, the brand has sort of gone viral, right? Over 60, today, over 60% of our new customers come from referrals of existing customers, right? And it does stem from the fact that they know that you know, we are real, we are in their community, we understand their needs, we look like them, we understand their, you know, their hardships, and they can trust us, but now they can use us in a more convenient way. Rather than visiting a store, they can just do it from the convenience of their home, right, um, and, and so forth. So it, it's actually uh, done really well and, and it validated the premise that in order for, for you to serve this community, you had to look for a hybrid model that allowed you to sort of be in there, provide that high touch experience, but then allows us to scale through the digital uh, footprint that we built.
1: Yeah, and hybrid is, is is very much the word that we're hearing as we move into this new era. What's the difference between what happens at your least brick and mortar versus the experience that the user then takes on when they enter di- the digital least marketplace? Yeah.
0: It's a great question. You know, I was fortunate enough to work at Apple uh, as well for for a few years, and I, I was sort of inspired by their their the their the way they leverage the the high touch brick and mortar experience. Really, in the early days, you had brick and mortar to provide immediate gratification, so you can provide that product uh, instantaneously to the customer. Whereas for Apple, it really wasn't about that. It was about sort of teaching you a new way of life, how you can cons- how you can use technology to, to enrich your everyday life, whether it's you know organizing the music that you want to hear or the the things that you want to do and use your technology for. But it, it it would definitely didn't stop when you left the start. It, it was sort of a, a an environment that allowed you to sort of learn that new way of life. Lisa was designed from day one with that same sort of customer experience in mind. Right. When customers come in, um, they come in and You know they're coming in mostly for the loan, as I mentioned earlier. But through every interaction, we're teaching them how they can continue to interact with Listo, just with their mobile device, right? Uh, So that next time they have a need for money, or next time they have a need to make a financial decision, they could think of Listo as the go-to partner and the trusted brand, whether that be in person or through a digital um, mobile capability, right? Um, It was really about teaching them a uh, teaching them a new way of sort of um, consuming financial services in a trustworthy way.
1: Yeah. And, and just as you were describing the high touch experience in, in some ways, because it's brick and mortar, I picture my parents going in, right. When, when they needed help with more financial things and then, and, and they just weren't sure, right. They had those questions. I think I can definitely see the brick and mortar being very useful to them because they get contact ideally with someone who speaks Spanish and so different from getting, you know, Cold um line on the other end where it's either like a robo uh a robot that you're talking to you're punching in one two three four um but at the same time you mentioning the the the, the allure of the uh high touch experience and the the modern uh, approach of, of using an apple like store and then taking it digitally also speaks to a lot of other age demographics so i am curious what what is the demographic that you get at least though and then online digitally
0: yeah, no, that's a great question. So the demographics predominantly uh, Latinos, right? The Latino community. We built an experience that it was really native to to their uh, to the differences early on, uh, but uh, you know we've been able to attract. Uh, I would say about 50% of our customers are millennials or younger, right? And their parents' uh, experience is a little bit different from that of their kids. But the fact that their parent can validate the fact that at least, so is a trusted brand, a trusted partner. I think we'll perpetuate through generations as a result of our the flexibility that we've built into the the consumer experience if you may
1: I want to ask you, because you mentioned you have all of this, you're very data rich, right? So you work with these mainstream providers, providing them data that they might not have otherwise. And so to me, as somebody working in financial services, that honestly stirs my curiosity and makes me wonder, what are some of the findings that you found about our Latinx communities that Listo serves that are often misunderstood by bigger financial institutions trying to serve our very own communities?
0: Yeah, you know, well, the biggest finding, and I think the elephant in the room Leanne, yeah, and, and the reason why we started the first company and, and built that one into a publicly traded company was that uh, when we spoke with big, large, mainstream financial institutions, everybody thought that you know the, our, our community was uh, not creditworthy simply because uh, they, we, we lacked enough data to predict otherwise, right? Uh, and uh, what we found is that that was completely wrong, right? And what was most interesting about that finding uh, was that uh, I think we were able to sort of prove that in a time in our country's history uh, that couldn't have been more appropriate. I.e., the financial crisis of uh, you know 2008, 2009, right? Some banks unfortunately went bankrupt, right? When ours did extremely well and, and survived, right? Because we were betting on a co- on, on a com- in a community that was extremely resilient, uh, that was extremely uh, creditworthy. Uh, it was just misunderstood, right? So. Uh, I think the cat's out of the bag now. It's a publicly traded company. People can see their performance. It's it's public knowledge. Um, so that I think is, is, again, the elephant in the room and, and uh, an opportunity that I think is being missed by a lot of institutions that are not embracing that new found knowledge, right? <laughs> um, that's, and huge. If, That's huge.
1: That's yeah. and, huge. And, and if you think about it, the thinking, the foundation behind that assumption that we're not credit worthy is, is kind of guilty until proven otherwise, right? And Correct. so in, in a way, this this data is is that important. It proved this community otherwise. So it's, it's great to see that you've built a company around that framework to empower uh, people to really step into that power that, that we hold.
0: Absolutely. And you know, the, the, the biggest challenge and uh, where technology comes in is that uh, historically that was a a difficult problem to show at scale or to solve at scale. Uh, Sort of the use of uh, alternative data and algorithms uh, and automation have made that very accessible, right? Uh, You no longer need all these fixed costs to sort of onboard interview uh, every single applicant in a very manual way to come to a conclusion as to whether or not somebody's creditworthy, credit worthy, i.e. the old way of sort of banking, if you may. Right. Whereas for us from day one, we've automated every single decision. And we've taken that with LISTO not to a new degree where we're applying that same sort of concept of using data um, as a way to democratize access to multiple financial services. You know, I gave you an example of how we solved the, the credit problem with the first company. With LISTO, we're solving that problem across multiple verticals, not only lending, but in auto insurance, you know, and it really is um, I think, unfortunately, there's a disparity and in, in, uh, in discrimination in the way that um, mainstream financial services or traditional financial services institutions have made their decisions, right, on on race and so forth. So, technology is really disrupting that, and we're proud to be at the at the edge of that.
1: That's a really exciting place to be. And because we have this information now, I kind of want to ask you to have your imagination run wild, and I'm sure it has before, but in a world where, where U.S. at large, the U.S. economy realizes the power and the credit, credit worthiness of the Latinx community, what does that mean for our community? What happens when people see us by people, I mean, big financial institutions, right, see us as credit worthy, what are the other uh, kind of downstream effects of that? What does it empower wow, us to that, do?
0: That's, a, that's a huge question and one that I'm really excited about. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the US economy or the, the, the Latino market in the US, it's a massive market that has sort of uh, been misunderstood, i.e. it's been referred to as a sleeping giant. It's that's always been uh, sort of with us. Right. I mean, we represent 2.7 trillion of the U.S. GDP. uh, And it's also one of the fastest growing demographics in the U.S. You know, the the, the Latinx um, GDP has grown 57 percent faster than the U.S. GDP uh, as a whole. Uh, And if you were to sort of quantify the the the, the Latino GDP in the U.S., it would be, uh, I think, the seventh economy of the world. So to your point, there's reasons why that GDP is not um, larger. It's, it's. I think it's fabricated by these uh, discrepancies that I describe, where people are not getting access to credit. They're not getting access to the services they need to stretch their dollar further and put it to work. Right? Imagine the possibilities when everybody gets a, a fair handshake and is is uh, powered to not only you know purchase but then also invest. Right? Uh, I.e. home ownership, as I I think is one of the the greatest ways for lower to moderate income communities to build wealth in this country, right? And the Lisa platform provides that upward mobility by making smart financial decisions along the way. Uh, With home ownership, you have equity, you have a lot of things that you invest around a home, which really drives our economy, but at the same time drives wealth for all those involved.
1: Absolutely. And one of the most popular ways of, of, as you said, uh, building wealth in our communities as well is is home ownership. I remember looking at the stats in California for home ownership, and by and large, Latinos are driving a lot of new home ownership in California, especially which Honestly, not surprised by because of the demographics there, right? Um, but 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 what you said um, about uh, the the Latinx uh, GDP being the seventh co- largest country in the world—always one of my favorite stats to use. But you're so right. I mean, picture us being the fifth, the fourth uh, um, largest economy in the world. And I think with with the amount of entrepreneurship that we see in our country and the drive to create and generate, honestly money opportunities at the end of the day, things that are good for the economy at large, not just our community, uh, I think it shows so much promise and definitely a lot of excitement on my end, too. And and where do you see Listo in particular in the next five years?
0: Yeah, so like with the first company, I hope to see Listo as a publicly traded fintech platform with well over two million, you know, uh, customers, um, but more importantly at that point collaborating with you know all mainstream financial service providers such as banks credit unions insurance carriers. To uh, help the Latino community and marginalized communities in general get more equitable access to mainstream financial services right uh, again leveraging sort of the Liso platform as a core enabler of, of that sort of matching, uh, if you may.
1: I want to ask you Samuel, some some more personal like learning and career questions so that we can fully you know take a little bit of your wisdom, just a little snippet to take home with us. Um, you mentioned the, the, the former company that you took a big leadership uh, role at before, Opportune, uh, leading a provider responsible on secured loans to the underbanked in the US, which obviously informed a lot of what you do today um, and is now NASDAQ listed. Can you talk us through a, your leadership role at Opportune? But also how this gave you insight to then de- to then lead as a leader at, at least.
0: Yeah, no, uh, thank you for that. You know, so so Opportunity was founded by my roommate at Stanford, James Gutierrez. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be involved in sort of with the idea since since its inception. Um, so as with any any company that you're that you're building, um, uh, I, I I was fortunate enough to help sort of build that company from the ground up. Uh, got involved in just about every single aspect or functional aspect of the company, right? But then help build a great team around that, you know, from the recruiting and and, and so forth standpoint to the point where the company is now a publicly traded company. One that I'm, you know, I'm very proud of uh, because we've helped touch lives and improve the lives of millions of hardworking Latino families in particular, uh, get access to f- uh, affordable loans, right? Um and you know, in, in terms of how that's shaped me as a, as a leader, I think you know, I, I knew there was a massive opportunity just based on my own personal experience, as I described and the reason why I went to Stanford to begin with, right? But I think more so than anything, um, it gave me the courage to know that it didn't really stop there, right? Um, and as a result of seeing just how much we could have done, how much we did, and I realized there was still so much more we, we could do and should do, right? Um, because despite our success, I still wasn't seeing enough sort of activity by other players in the market to address uh, the deficiencies, right? So we had come up with a solution for uh, affordable lending, but there was other disparities that I've mentioned before, like how do you provide upward mobility, financial prosperity? How do you enable um, the ability for somebody to eventually own a home, right? Invest in a home, right? Uh, How do you eliminate the disparities around um, uh, insurance, right? Because a lot of the same disparities uh, exist. But the main difference between the first company and the second is that uh, the first company, we did it all on our own, i.e., we built a full stack lending company where we own the balance sheet, the risk. Uh, that takes a lot of time and money. With least, though, we decided to be the technology in the face to the consumer. But then more importantly, felt that we can scale much faster and more sustainably if we work through partners, i.e., financial institutions, banks, credit unions, and insurance, right? And I'm proud to say that today we work with publicly traded companies on our platform. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're definitely, uh, uh, onboarding quite a few partners every day and, uh, excited about the future.
1: Well, congratulations on that, on that big portfolio of just partners that you are working with and that therefore you're able to bring to the, to the Latino community in the right subset. Um, and then in terms of money learnings, I'm, I'm sure you've had quite the trajectory from growing up, having immigrated here to where you are today, um, founding Listo. What have been three of your biggest money learnings you think we can probably take some some bits from? Yeah.
0: It's a great question. Um, you know, well, the first of which is that in a, in a credit driven economy like the US, you need access to credit to build wealth. I mean, there's I don't think there's much there's no way around that. Uh, for many, especially low to moderate income families, uh, much of the wealth will be created through home ownership as a result of the appreciation of the home, the, that particular asset. as has been the case in recent years when you know, the, 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 the average price of homes has skyrocketed in the last decade, right? Um, so that, that would be the first, right? Uh, the second is that given the tax implications of our earned income, um, you know we all pay taxes in America, which is a great thing. But it's really important to understand that a dollar saved is worth more than a dollar earned, right? Given that a dollar saved is already uh, post the income tax, right? And as a result of that, we need to be very extremely thoughtful about the financial decisions we make. Uh, And unfortunately, I feel like uh, most uh, middle to high schools are, are falling short of that. I don't ever remember being taught, you know, how to manage your money. Uh, by most uh, of our education in the early days. And I think there's a lot of work that we can do there. Um, the, the other thing that I realized is that the smartest decisions are usually made when the consumers provide multiple transparent options, right? Uh, to make sure that the consumer makes an intelligent decision that's closely meets their needs because there is not one size fits all, right? So uh, being again, being very thoughtful about how you invest and where you spend your money is, is critical. Uh, that would be the second, and then finally, the third is that a, a smart risk adjustment, risk adjusted investment will always outperform a savings account, right? Uh, and I know I share this openly because I think that uh, it's partially cultural that we've been taught to save, which is great, you know, uh, it's it's really good. But I think uh, a lot of us haven't been taught to invest, and and I think that's that's uh, that's a um, a handicap. Because nobody's ever become wealthy by savings, right? As you you know, the the yield on your savings account is far from anything that can yield. It's probably not even keeping up with inflation these days, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, really empowering people to take bold and smart decisions on their investments, i.e. home ownership. There's a lot of members of our community out there, Leon, that are paying far more in rent, right? Than they would have been on a mortgage. Uh, and And I've seen... The reason to that is, again, access to credit, which we're solving, right? Savings for a down payment, which we're solving, you know. Uh, But I think it's also just a mentality, right? Even for customers that, folks that do have both of those, they're scared to invest in a home. It's it's a big obligation. But uh, time has shown that uh, it's a great way to build wealth, right? And that uh, we need to be bold when considering those types of investments, because savings is simply not going to cut it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And especially with that, uh, what was it, like a 6% inflation we saw reported recently in November. Um, that's, yeah, it's 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 quite a bit. So sitting in the savings account, it depreciates of anything. But you are, uh, through Listo, building two big solutions, one of them being the community around it, a physical location, but also digitally, and obviously also the marketplace. So I'm very, very excited someone to, to see the the brick and mortar itself and, and where are they located currently if anyone wanted to check it out?
0: Yeah. So today we have one in East San Jose in, in Northern California, and uh, the other locations are in Southern California. Uh, Southern California is by far the largest market uh, for our community, and, and therefore we decided to launch there. Uh, which has been great. So feel free to stop by.
1: Amazing, amazing. And we certainly will. Some, thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit more about your journey, about what Listo does, how it serves the Latinx community get on, on, on a critical part of their financial journey, which is building credit, which allows us to do so much more. Correct. Again, muchas gracias, Samuel, and i um, very excited to see what Listo does. Um, and in the meantime, can you tell us where people can find Listo on social media or .com otherwise?
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. So the best place to, uh, to find Listo online is at listofin.com. Uh, and that's F as in Frank, I as in Indigo, N as in Nancy.com. So listofin.com. Um, and from there, you can you have all the links to all the social media and, and whatnot.
1: Yeah. You got it. And we'll definitely share on our verticals. Again, thank you so much, Samuel. That was Samuel Ulloa, co-founder and CEO of Listo. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Moneda Moves. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and money moves via our free newsletter, written by yours truly, at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.